from deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster, and I'm so excited that you've taken the opportunity to download our show or stream it online however you're listening. Thank you so much. If this is your first time listening to the show, I invite you to download some of our other podcasts that are past episodes. The title of the episode is basically the subject of the episode, so you can kind of go in there and uh, listen to some past episodes we've had. We've got 30-some-odd episodes. We come out every two weeks with this show and um, really had an awesome opportunity to visit with... Um, with a lot of awesome people here that we interview and uh, just uh, love to have the opportunity to share that with you. So thank you so much for tuning in. So this week we have Katie DeLorenzo, who is a huntress and only my second female guest to have on the podcast. And I'm so excited to have her on because she is a champion of conservation, of putting your best foot forward as a hunter. She's very much about uh, being athletic and being fit and being a hunter and uh, I just love everything about what this woman does. She's she's just great and a, and a real champion, especially for females, getting out in the outdoors and hunting and fishing and doing all the things that we love to do as guys, you know, because typically us guys, you know, we kind of have domination on this sport. And to have a female that is that much of an advocate of getting out there and getting it done right um, is, is just awesome to see. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. Before we get into our interview with Katie, I wanted to bring up to you my thoughts of the Bassmaster Classic. Now, I'll be honest, I've not really followed the Bassmaster Classic series that uh, much in the past, but now that it came to Texas, it was a big deal. I went to the expo, saw a lot of sponsors of a magazine, and um, saw a lot of uh, friends that I know in the industry and everything, and that was awesome. But the thing that really surprised me was after I left the show on Friday, the expo, um, I watched the the, uh, the actual event of uh, the chase boats and, and all the, the different things going on around the Bassmaster Classic for people to watch. Uh, they had a streaming live, um, you know, coverage of the show on uh, the Bassmaster website, Bassmaster.com. So what I did was uh, downloaded the the uh, the website and got the streaming stuff on my phone and on my tablet, and I was just glued to that screen of my phone and the tablet all weekend long, um, just taking care of things around the house and just watching and seeing how everything was going to shape up. And I really had my eye on uh, Brent Ayler as the number one leaderboard of both uh, Friday and Saturday. But then this guy, Jordan Lee, comes from behind with a huge victory. He is sponsored by Carhartt, who's run with us before with the magazine, as well as PowerPole and uh, some other sponsors. And a uh, big shout out to uh, Jordan Lee because he won the Bassmaster Classic and $300,000 grand prize and a bunch of sponsorships and endorsements and all of that come with that. I was really just blown away at the uh, at the way he came in with a 27 pound bag plus 27 plus pound bag of fish, which is the largest bag of the entire tournament on the last day. I was just blown away at how that played out. And he's only 25 years old, college graduate, and uh, he's got a great career in front of him. So I'm really excited about that. So on to our um, guest this week. I'm really excited about Katie DeLorenzo. Like I said, she is a female huntress. She is an advocate of conservation and an active woman in the great outdoors. I am really impressed by her uh, hunting prowess, and uh, she's still kind of new to the hunting sports, but she um, she's really, really doing well with them, and I, I think she's a great advocate for women getting out in the outdoors uh, as well as um, she's only my second female guest to have on the podcast, but she's just a great, great um, advocate of uh, of all things that are good and wonderful in the outdoors, and I wanted to have her on the show. So um, Katie is, uh, is awesome, and I think you'll really enjoy this interview together uh, with us and uh, really enjoy the time that I spent with her because I, I just so agree. We talk about conservation. We talk about New Mexico hunting, which is a neighboring state to Texas, so I figured that would be a good thing. A lot of people travel to New Mexico from Texas to hunt, 
not a very far drive. You know, well, everything out of Texas is a long drive, but comparably to going to Colorado or, you know, another state to hunt, uh, New Mexico, it's, it's really good. It's, it's beautiful out there. If I did not live in Texas, that's where I would choose to live because New Mexico, the couple of times I've been there has just been so breathtakingly beautiful and, uh, offers a lot of great public land opportunities and things like that, that a lot of people trek from Texas to go, uh, put in for their draw system. And Katie is, uh, definitely one that is put in for a lot of draw, uh, system hunts and, um, has a lot of information about that. She is a uh, New Mexico Huntress on Facebook and Instagram if you want to look her up and follow her. She is very quickly building an awesome platform of um of of different um you know fans and everything that follow her on Instagram and on on Facebook. And what I'm really a fan of is the way that she portrays hunting. There's not a lot of gory pictures and that kind of stuff. There's not a lot of uh, subject matter for anti-hunters to get after her on, and we talk about that in the show. So here's my interview with Miss Katie DeLorenzo. Joining me on the okay. phone is Miss Katie DeLorenzo, the New Mexico Huntress. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing really good, Dustin. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. I honor you, and I try to honor all the guests on the show because of the work that you're doing in social media in the realm of teaching women that it's okay to hunt and that it is cool to hunt and also going forth and, and kind of broadening your own spectrum of, of hunting and, uh, and fishing and doing those kind of outdoor activities that women a lot of times don't get into. Would you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, I just think, um, you know, of course there's kind of a barrier there and I think, um, I'm lucky in that my family has hunted and fished my whole life and I didn't necessarily follow that track early on. I played soccer instead. But now coming back to it and having that support system has, has been really wonderful. Um, I think, you know, women are maybe starting to get that this is just such a special thing to do. Um, you know, in hunting, it challenges you mentally and physically. And you're putting organic free range food on the table. Right. And there's a lot of appeal in that, especially with you know, everyone's thoughts right now on the food movement. And I think, you know, that's kind of opening people's eyes to why we hunt and really just this sense of adventure that you don't get in normal life. You know, if you think about socially, um, you know, the world we live in, it's pretty much, you know, you go out and get whatever you want and that's just not hunting. It's unpredictable. Um, you have to be prepared and you're going to have experiences of you just couldn't have doing anything else. And so my goal is really just to kind of say, hey, I'm not perfect. I only seriously started hunting and like focusing on it two to three years ago. And so anyone can do it. And there's so many resources to help, you know, new hunters get started. That's great. And your handle is New Mexico Huntress. And uh, do you mainly hunt New Mexico or where else do you hunt outside of that? Are you mainly just in your home state for the most part? I really am. And most of that is just, you know, financial is where, you know, I know where to go and where I can afford to go. Sure. Um, I spend a lot of time in Southern Colorado because my sister and brother-in-law live up there. And so, um, you know, I had the opportunity to go on a mountain goat hunt in Colorado this past year. And that was pretty mind blowing. And unfortunately, <laughs> I just didn't have the funds to put into those Colorado sheep and goat tags this year. Right. No, I definitely understand. Yeah. So, I mean, it's different than, uh, you know, outside of Texas, we kind of take it for granted. We have all these exotics that we can hunt, but you have a lot of native game in the Western states, especially in New Mexico, that you can hunt a native game than exotics both. Um, and technically you've got a free ranging herd of oryx and those kind of animals. Is that correct in New Mexico? Yeah, that's right. And I think that's something that maybe, you know, most people aren't so aware of that we do have you know, amazing elk and mule deer and, of course, those native species. And then in the 1970s, ibex were introduced in the Florida mountains. Um, my favorite animal by far just because they're so insanely um, talented at going up and down those sheer cliff faces. It's just a joy to watch if you've never seen it, even if you don't hunt. Um, and then, of course, um, oryx as well. Um, and they're free range. You know, the ibex, I believe it's the only free range ibex hunt in the western hemisphere someone told me and you know they're from iran and so yes. it's pretty incredible that they were transplanted here i think there were 15 of them and by 1974 we had our first ibex hunt and 
I got to go on an archery Ibex hunt with my friend this fall, and it was pretty much the coolest thing I've ever seen because I actually saw him shoot it, and I spotted it. So it was awesome. Wow, that's great, Katie. And and one of the things you're not afraid to take on adventure and challenge, which a lot of hunters in Texas, we have it pretty easy in a lot of regards. Of we sit in a blind or we do a spot and stalk on pretty flat land. I mean, you're climbing mountains, you're going all over the place, you're doing a variety of different things that's challenging. And one of the things you're really big about is fitness. Is that correct? Yeah, and I'm not. You know, I'm not um, one of those people that you're going to see that's just so super strong, but I am trying to get there. I'm 115 pounds and I grew up playing soccer. And so, you know, I have like a foundation of an athlete, but sometimes people see me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so small. (laughs) Um, But I think just having that um, kind of foundation of being an athlete and understanding discipline and training, you know, I shoot my bow three to five times a week and I work out almost every day. And I think um, people are sometimes they underestimate me, you know, like my dad and I did my first sheep hunt in the Lithier wilderness and we had it quartered. We didn't bone it out because we were just trying to get the meat out. And, you know, all the camping gears in one pack, the sheep is in another pack. My dad's like, Kate, you're not even going to be able to get it on your back. And I'm like, okay, dad, well, it's my animal. You know, I want to carry it out. So let's just start going. And if I need to switch you packs, I will. And I made it down the whole mountain. And after that hunt, I just had like such a sense of accomplishment and wanted to take on more challenges. And certainly like the goat hunt, you know, we hiked into the maroon bells and, you know, my sister and I packed the goat back to camp. All the guys went after another goat. And I love that. I just love, I like, you know, when people underestimate me and I can prove them wrong and also proving that to myself because it just... (laughs) build your confidence that's great girl right you know woman power i love it oh yeah that's awesome i i just think that that new mexico offers so many different things and listen to jason Sacco's podcast uh outdoor adventures with jason which i helped him get that started i haven't talked about that on this show much lately but um you were a guest on his show and that's how i kind of started following you and started uh learning more about your um your uh your history and what you're doing in social media which is awesome and um i just kind of said man it'd be awesome to have somebody that's that cool that that really takes on adventure and challenge like that on our show so it's one reason one of the chief reasons i wanted to have you on because you were a great interview for him (laughs) oh well thanks i appreciate that very much i think you know new mexico affords us so many great opportunities and all over i mean the united states you know one thing that i kind of learned from all of my Uh, social followers is a lot of them are in foreign countries and chatting with them, you know, they don't have the same opportunities that we have here in terms of diversity of wildlife or different, you know, different scenarios. I mean, they just don't have it. You see their pictures and it's the same thing all the time, or, you know, they're paying a lot of money to go travel to other places. And so I just think we're very, very blessed um, to have such a diverse and accessible, you know, model in America. And it's like, take advantage of it. It's there for everybody. You know, I don't have a lot of money to spend on big hunts, but you know, I do public land hunts and put in for the draw like everybody else and still have had a lot of luck with that. So hopefully in the future I could, you know, maybe afford something a little fancier. I really want to do a tar hunt in New Zealand and that's kind of like the carrot I'm holding in front of my own face right now for working hard for this next year. But, you know, that's kind of a dream. And we actually have tar here that escaped a big game ranch. And so that's kind of like an interesting little fact. So if I could possibly kill one here and then harvest one in New Zealand, that would be kind of a dream for me. So. Well, I just kind of thought New Mexico being a border state to Texas would just be a fun thing to cover on our show since we're kind of a Texas-based show. But hunting there is very accessible, but it's based around the draw system. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. I just put in about two weeks ago, I think, was the deadline and am anxiously awaiting uh, tags for this next year. So That's great. And what are you after this next year, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I you know, they haven't pulled names out of a hat yet so i don't have anything but i put right. in for absolutely everything. i just mean what you put in i was just curious what you put in for so oh sure i mean everything <laughs> so oh, i put in for odd ibex oryx antelope mule there elk um the only things really i didn't put in for is we have some draw hunts for turkey and bear and i didn't put in for those okay. but um everything else including javelina so <laughs> 
I'm just amazed at your, you know, relatively short span as a hunter. You've taken a lot of animals. You want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, people will write me and say, Katie, you're such a great hunter. And I'm like, well, I put in the hard work and I certainly read and do my homework and prepare as much as possible. But I'm surrounded by amazing hunters and people that are so knowledgeable. You know, they have a lifetime of knowledge that I couldn't even hope to match. And so, you know, my dad is a biologist. He's worked for the Forest Service for 36 years and grew wow, up hunting and fishing. That's great. Um, my yeah, it's he's ridiculous. He's like, um, I don't know. He's like the Dosa Keith man of hunting. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. And then my sister's a biologist as well. And so, you know, she's 11 years older than me, but in her own right, such an amazing hunter and a huge inspiration to me. Um, and her husband is also um, a ranch manager and a guide and has had a lot of really amazing hunting experiences. And so... Our whole family hunts, um, including their two kids, my niece and nephew. Wow. And he, you know, my nephew killed his first deer at 12 years old with a bow. And oh, so, that's great. You know, yeah. In terms of our family, I'm a really late bloomer, um, but they're so super supportive of me. And, you know, also friends. I have one friend that's like an amazing bow hunter, and he basically taught me how to shoot a bow and take me out to got, um, get that bighorn sheep. And so I owe it all to them for sure. Oh, that's great. I mean, you've got a great support system. I grew up, as I said on this podcast before in other interviews, I grew up around hunting and fishing, but I was mainly around the fishing side because my dad decided that he um, wanted to fish all year and he couldn't hunt all year. He really didn't have the exotics and that kind of stuff like we have now. And uh, so he was mainly a bass fisherman and ran a lot of the bass in my pro circuits and stuff and local bass clubs. But I didn't get into hunting myself. I'm a late bloomer uh, until my early to mid-20s. So uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not that far away from you there. I've been at it for, you know, kind of semi-professionally for about 10 years now, but you know, I, uh, I just, I live for the sport. I love doing it and I love teaching other people how to do it. And, uh, you definitely do as well, don't you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just unlike anything else you're going to do. I mean, I played soccer competitively for a long time. I blew my knee out my senior year of high school That's right. and then I, and yeah, I ended up coaching for many years, and I guess I kind of had a prodigal son moment, you know, where I went away from hunting. Um, <laughs> That's okay. When we grew up, well, growing up, I mean, I just, my dad's pretty hardcore. You know, to him, if you're going to pay for a fishing license, you're going to catch your limit, and right. it doesn't matter what the weather's like. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the fish are biting. You know, you're out there like grinding it out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I guess maybe when I was younger, it was like a little difficult to be out there for eight hours. And it's like, Dad, can I go to the truck? You know? And so (laughs) I guess, yeah, (laughs) I guess I kind of got to the point where I really wanted to understand it better because when I was little, you know, I was into it and I guess I took it for granted. Like my dad would bring home animals and always show me you know, kind of their makeup. Like we'd, you know, look at what was, what the turkey was eating or he would show me stuff. And I just really did take it for granted. Right. And I mean, that's, that's sometimes a lot of folks grow up like that and and don't really reconnect with it until a little bit later in life. And that's kind of the case that you and I both did. I think it's something we have in common, but it's something we embrace now. And that's the one thing I wanted to mention about hunting. You know, I know there's a lot of folks that listen to our podcast that are mainly on the fishing side, but you know, both of those really pursuits, there's nothing you can really compare to it because you get to take home meat or fish for your trouble, you know, for all that it costs right. you to go forth. There's not another sport out there like it, you know, and that's one thing I wanted to bring up to people that uh, that kind of, you know, uh, don't understand hunting that well is, is because they're – you know, there's just so many benefits you get as well as conservation and you're part of a conservationist, you know, not a preservationist, as Jason Sago says. Sure. Um, you're you're part of, of making nature last for the next generation, um, you know, all those kind of things. You, you know, I, I just think that it's a... It's a wonderful thing that that those of us that love to hunt and fish, you know, we're part of that movement of conservation a lot more than the anti-hunters and anti-fishing people are. Is that right? Do you think, do you agree with me? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think, first of all, that discussion with an anti-hunter, somebody that hasn't had experience, it's um, that deeper connection. Right. You know, I think 
Steve Rinella at one point has a video clip where he was doing a book reading and an anti-hunter was kind of coming after him and saying, you know, why would you take this innocent animal's life? And he's saying, well, you know, there are many arguments for this. And I'd also like to argue that I probably know more about that animal than an anti-hunter is ever going to know. And so I think understanding our connection starts there, really. Um, And then from that point, understanding the, you know, tremendous amount of resources that hunters put towards conservation. Um, It's always kind of a weird argument because, you know, I have friends that joke and they say, well, you love it so much you want to kill it. And I'm like, okay, well, let's back up because (laughs) how much money have you given, you know, in the past year? I've given thousands of dollars and it's a, it's such a bigger conversation um, where, you know, they have to understand, first of all, the North American model of management and the fact that, you know, we have already kind of done so much that we have to, we have to manage populations sometimes. And hunting is a big part of that and a really positive part of that. Um, and yeah, what, going home with meat in the freezer, freezer, whether it's fish or game, I mean, what an amazing thing to be able to say, I went and harvested that. And you know, you're honoring that animal with every yes. meal you have. Like, yes. I mean, I just love the fact that, you know, people go to Whole Foods and think they're doing the earth a favor. At the end of the day, they have, may have no idea where that came from right. or what kind of, you know, what kind of um, life that animal exactly. lived. And for me, I say, you know, you the animals that we're hunting, for the most part, they live great lives in the outdoors. And, yeah, the killing part isn't... Um, you know, so easy for people to deal with, but that's one moment in their life that's, you know, their life is ending and that's a part of the game. And then if you think about, you know, other types of food systems, you know, they're raised specifically to be neat and they probably have a very different experience in that system. And so for me, I, you know, I just say it's the most organic free range meat there is and all of the effort that we take as hunters to both conserve populations and also, you know, go out and find them. It's just a tremendous amount of effort that I don't think anti-hunters always understand. Right. No, and I've talked about that on the show many times, and that's that's the one reason why I honor you, because you've also gone as far as taking and making recipes with your food and sharing that on social media and showing the, the end product of hunting, which is so important, I think. Um, you want to elaborate on that for a minute? Yeah, I mean, it's first of all, it's delicious. You know, right now in my freezer, I think I have, you know, grass, I have trout, um, moose, elk, sheep, oryx. And, you know, all of, you know, people say, well, what can you do with that meat? And it's like, well, you can do anything you can do with a pound of hamburger from the grocery store. So, you know, I think I made wontons a few weeks ago and they were delicious. Um, (laughs) And, you know, anytime someone wants to try wild game, like, I'm always going to try and be there to, you know, introduce them. Um, And it's, I mean, there's just nothing like eating something from an animal you've either harvested or seen harvested, you know, on the goat hunt, we were starving after a hard day of hunting and just getting back to camp after that long hike and sitting around the campfire and having backstrap and that being kind of the culmination of two days of hard work. And there is just nothing like it. And I think that reconnects us with, like, the human condition where we started, that you couldn't always go to the store and pay pay 10 bucks and get this saran-wrapped thing that you're going to consume. And I really like that part of it because it's, like, going back to what, you know, humans have experienced for thousands of years that we've decided to cut out of the equation and then demonize when people still feel like they need to do that. And I, I really, it connects you with nature in a way that nothing really can connect you with nature at its primal source, you know, would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, whether you're just observing and you don't even harvest anything, I mean, you're paying attention to things that, you know, if you're just hiking on the trail and you're not looking for that stuff, they're not even going to be, you know, on your radar. And I think that's the difference. You're like you're watching things you've never watched or maybe having experiences that 
you just wouldn't have because you're not going to be sitting in the woods for four hours for no reason. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And most people that are antis or preservationists in that regard are uh, are not doing that kind of thing, um, you know, on a regular basis to, to go out and take pictures or whatever the case may be of, of animals. Um, but as hunters, we get more of a real connection, I think, with nature. And not to say that hunting is, is the best of everything, but, I mean, you and I certainly agree that it is definitely important um, and definitely puts – I mean, just take Africa, for example, and Jason's talked about that on his show before. You know, that's a place you and I haven't been before. But, you know, it, without hunting and without a need f- to hunt for those animals, there's no there's no value on the animal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep, and – and that's hard to explain to people. It's hard to have that discussion. Right. Yeah, that is. But, I mean, and you see there have been cases in uh, parts of Africa where hunting has been done away with and, you know, the animal populations have, have, have dropped, you know, in numbers. And right. uh, I think that's definitely important to consider that uh, hunting and conservation is what grows animal populations. I mean, just look at America and all the different animals that we've grown over the years uh, in, in large populations that were almost in extinction. You know that we've brought out because of Teddy Roosevelt and folks like that that have really put conservation at the forefront of what they what they do in uh, legislation and uh, in their own personal uh, own personal activities. So I think a lot of um, what makes you know Africa hunting so offensive to some people is all about context. You know, you see a zebra or a giraffe um, that's been harvested, and it's just a shock to us because we're used to seeing those animals in zoos. And, you know, I had this discussion with a friend the other day who used to be an anti-hunter, by the way, and I converted her and she's very (laughs) good. um, I love it. That's great. Four years. (laughs) Oh, good for you. It's been a long discussion. (laughs) She was an anti-hunter and she's like this extremely intelligent person that's willing to have those discussions. And so we've had little discussions here and there. And over the course of time, you know, she's, come to understand um, hunting and conservation and it's so cool to the point where she even wants to go hunting now and I'm like (laughs) oh my gosh like this is great let's do this but you know we were talking the other day and I think a lot of it's context it's like in your world a giraffe is a zoo animal in their world it could be something completely different and that's hard to understand because you know we live in this you know, this world where everything fits in these little tiny boxes for what we think it should be. And we just don't know what that could ever be like to see this giraffe or a lion as food and sustenance. Exactly. And I mean, the thing is, you put it in perspective, you know, and I bring this up from time to time as far as things that, that are facts in the world, but a billion people slept on a dirt floor last night around the world. Uh, 80% of the world's population will never use a cell phone. You know, things like that, the statistics. So the the, the meat that goes into the hunting, you know, does not go to waste in Africa. It's used to feed the villagers in those villages around that that hunting area in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, I... I definitely think that that should be said and that should be brought up that we're not just killing for fun. You know, I mean, we're killing for, well, yeah, obviously we're killing for a trophy, but we're also feeding people, you know, as a result of that is what I'm trying to say. Right. And I think too, there's a really big um, ambiguity surrounding trophy, right? Because when we say trophy, if you're taking a trophy meal there in New Mexico, well, you're probably taking an older animal out of the herd, and that is fine. Um, but when you, uh, you know, I always say to people, well, what do you mean by trophy? Because yes. in terms of management, you want to be taking the oldest animal, so it's right. fine. Um, and there's a delineation there between maybe age of the animal and a trophy as in, you know, I got my lion or an elephant or something right. like that. And right. obviously that's a different conversation. And yes. so with people that maybe you know, aren't as familiar, you have to kind of dive into that detail of what they're meaning first. um, And hopefully, then you can start a constructive conversation. Absolutely. I'm looking at my office right now. I've got a, uh, a red stag, which is, uh, you know, a, a New Zealand or a European animal. Uh, but I killed him here in oh, Texas cool. on one of the, um, the high fence ranches that I hunt that I work with. And he's got three on one side and four on the other. He's a three by four, but he goes straight up. 
instead of out and back, you know, how most of the antlers go. And I shot him because he was unique. You know, he's not something that mm -hmm. everybody's going to see just every day. And he was, he's the biggest exotic that I have in my office right now. And uh, I just wanted to just, just be different. So sometimes, you know, that's the other side. And I ate all the meat. You know, this is back in 2010 when I harvested them. And, um, you know, I, I really – I took me four days to hunt that animal and it took me a missed shot and, you know, a bunch of other, a lot of, a lot of heartache and, you know, closeness to getting that kill. But, you know, it, it was a story behind that is what I'm trying to say. It's not just about the antler size. It's about the story behind the animal, you know, when you, when you, mount oh, an animal yeah. or anything like that. Right. Oh, sure. I mean, for me, you know, my bighorn you is my trophy and sure. it's funny because I was even talking to a guy this week, and he thought I had killed a ram, and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Your first bow kill was a ram. And I was like, oh, actually, it was a you. <laughs> was a and female. you can hear the disappointment <laughs> in his voice, which is kind oh, of no. funny. You know, I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, I let you down. Um, but I had killed a you, you know, I think in 2015 was my first hut, um, and I, I got one with a rifle, and my second one was a bow kill. And the amount of work I had to put in to get that, it, it's a trophy to me, like, beyond yeah. any other trophy that I have. Like, I got a bow, you know, seven months before and learned how to shoot it and got a shot, and it was perfect. That and is it's amazing. like, everyone hates on my you, but I... I really like her. <laughs> it's it's in the eyes of the beholder, you know. It's 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 what's a trophy to you. I mean, I had a a friend of mine that's not really a hunter. He's starting to get into it. He came over and looked at my stag the other night, and he said, "Oh, you'd love to go to New Zealand and kill one, you know, three times that size." I said, "How many stags have you killed, buddy?" You know, <laughs> so right. that's that's definitely a consideration. You know, it's just it's in the eye of the beholder and the hunter, and there's a story behind that animal, and that's why I don't have an issue. Uh, my mother-in-law has a big issue with the animal that are shoulder mounted you know that have the eyes looking at you and that kind of stuff and she would never allow my <laughs> father-in-law to he could only do european mounts you know skull mounts and um so i kind sure. of thought that was funny um but i've got i've got all all shoulder mounts and european mounts all over my office and in our bedroom and um you know i there's a story behind every single one of them and that's that's the trophy you know it's not just oh this animal's got bigger horns than any other animal the trophy is in the memory you know i really think that needs to be said Oh, I totally agree. Absolutely. And I think, you know, different people have different comfort levels with seeing the animal in different ways. But I mean, it's whatever is meaningful to you. And, you right. know, I would love to someday have a shoulder mount. But right now, all mine are, you know, European. Sure. Because my dad and I can stick it in a pot of boiling water and be done in a few hours. Well, and there's and another the conversation, Katie. You know, there's another uh, around the campfire, bull boiling out ahead. You know, I mean, as gross as that may sound, I mean, that's another bonding experience for you and your dad. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I enjoy the meat processing just as much as the hunt. And it's I do too. just quality time with the people that you're with. It's so cool. You know, like, my dad and I didn't get to spend a lot of time together when I coached soccer or played, and this is kind of a transition. You know, he's retired now. I want to spend as much time with him as possible, and, you know, we go walking out in the woods for three hours and then go back to camp, and then once you get the animal, I mean, good Lord, we take so long to process our meat. Yeah. Like, probably it's a good seven, eight hours, but we do it ourselves, sure. and it's my dad teaching me the cuts, you know, and passing that down because my granddad was actually a butcher oh, and wow. so just that process of my dad saying okay you know here's how you do a butterfly steak or what do we want to do with these shanks and like walking through that whole process sure. is just so cool and it's it's time together i mean you know it's a long hard process but it's right. quality time uninterrupted time without the technology and i think you know we both work in advertising and so i'm constantly connected um you know on social on my computer on my phone and it's just such a great detox to put all that stuff away and get out there with the people you love and just be living life and paying attention to them and everything around you absolutely i could not say that better myself i'm so happy you joined me on this show because you and i are speaking the right language to each other this is great oh my gosh um, I was also going to say one of the things, Katie, that you do very well is portray hunting in the right light, I think, uh, in social media, in the way that you show what goes into your hunts, the way that you show the fitness side, the way that you show, you know, the, um, the just not the ugly, gory side of hunting, but really the, the, the part that should be respected by all, you know, do you agree with that? 
Well, I mean, I try to. I think it's something we all need to be cognizant of because, you know, today anything can be taken and flipped on its head um, or disrespect, you know, to the animals. It really can um, portray hunters in a negative light. And so that's something I'm certainly aware of is what pictures I post. And, you know, sometimes I I posted a picture a few weeks ago where I'm field dressing a deer and, you know, I understand that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm still showing the respect that I'm getting my hands dirty and getting in there to do it. Um, I I just think it's really important if people are out there doing bonehead, you know, things. They're just making us all look bad, yes. and it it just lights a fire that can really take off. And so my goal is yes to encourage people that want to hunt, but also maybe try and show a different side of hunting to people that are adamantly against it. And I've had situations like that where I've had good conversations with people, but holy cow, they come in, you know, just ready to fight. And you have to, by having that foundation of like where they could scroll through my feed and see all of that. I mean, I just think it's a good starting point for them to see I'm like not an evil person. Um, But we all need to be aware of how it's portrayed because, you know, there are certain things that wouldn't offend hunters that if somebody that's never hunted, you know, if they see it, they're just going to lose it. And that's not what we want. No, no, not at all. And I mean, that's something I try. I'm very cognizant of that or very aware of that more than I ever have been because social media is such a huge thing now that so many people read and watch and follow. And um, one of the guys that I am friends with, Dustin Ellerman of our team, he's our shooting editor at Texas Fishing Game. He portrayed a picture, and I've talked about this in the show before, of his daughter, 16-year-old daughter, harvesting her first buck. And with a um, AR-15 style rifle, I think it was in 300 blackout, and it had a suppressor on it. And you should have seen the outrage of some people saying, well, you know, just death threats to her, too, you know. And right. some people just talk, and I'm just uh-huh. like, guys, if y'all only understood what went into this, and this is her first deer, and this is definitely important to um to her and to the dad and you know just see the context that we're portraying here i mean this deer was legally harvested it was ethically harvested it didn't live a it lived a great life before it died it did not live a horrible existence you know going into being slaughtered or whatever like these you know so many of these um these places that that slaughter meat you know for our slaughter animals for meat you know it's a much different existence and they're almost hypocrites that they eat meat and uh boohoo somebody that's trying to do oh yeah yeah. You know, something like that, because, um, you know, they're just as guilty of, of that animal dying that they're eating and the plastic wrap and the saran wrap and the um, and the styrofoam at Walmart than they are, you know, that person taking that animal, you know, with a gun. I agree 200 percent. I think that's um, usually always one of my first rebuttals if I choose to get fired up and enter one of those conversations is, do you eat meat? Right. Because... If you eat meat, I can bet you that I'm putting a whole lot more time and effort and understanding into what I'm, you know, killing and putting into my body right. than you are. Exactly. And so, exactly. it, like, don't be a hypocrite. Um, however, you know, if they are <laughs> full vegan or vegetarian, that shifts the conversation a little bit. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a joke. Anyone that is against hunting and eat, eats meat, there is nothing more hypocritical because, you know, they could put in the time and effort to learn about food systems and learn about hunting and go do it themselves. And there's a little part of me that wants to be like, if you can't kill it, you shouldn't be eating meat. Of course, that's like taking it a a step maybe too far. But, you know, in my mind, it is, you know, gory and it's a little hard to deal with it sometimes. I mean, it's kind of funny, but I was, I don't know, eight and how old was I? Maybe like early 20s. And I cried when I first shot a cow elk. I mean, it Uh was just... It's an intense experience to take a big mammal. And, you know, now my reactions are, you know, always with great reverence because you're spending so much time with these animals and understanding where they live. But, you know, you're happy. I mean, it's like this weird mix of sadness for taking its life and being grateful and, you know, understanding that you did something really cool. And so, you know, I I just think if people are going to eat meat, they need to take a step back and take a you know take a look at what they're really arguing for or against instead of you know demonizing it right off the bat because they don't want to do any research right 
exactly. And I like the words you use, revenant, reverence and gratefulness. You know, I, I that's the way I look at a harvest myself here in Texas. You know, when you take an animal, even if it's a feral hog, you know, a lot, so many people poo-poo feral hogs because there's such an abundance here in the state. But every animal's life means something you know um to me when i when i harvest that and i i've i've been close to crying before you know when i was early in the game and hunting but now i just have a lot of gratefulness that i was able to harvest that animal i know you agree with me there um you know oh, yeah and and just and just the the gratefulness that you had the opportunity to 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 interact with that animal for that amount of time i mean i think that's that's the key of of what we do as hunters you know well, yeah, and I think you need to find that out for yourself, you yes, know, that exactly. you could hear from everybody in the world that javelina are stinky, and there's not that much meat, and they're not that cool, and who cares about javelina? For me, you know, I heard that from everybody and went on a hunt, and I kind of research animals as much as I can before sure. I go to understand what are they eating and just learn about them because it's so habitat, cool. And right. I'm like, holy crap, yeah, these little guys survive off, you know, choya cactus, and how the heck do they eat that? and get their moisture from that. It's incredible. <laughs> it um, is. And, you know, you walk, you walk away with 12 pounds of meat, but I learned, you know, about their habitat, how they survive, and they're incredible. I know, you know, on Phoenix, they're, they're in Phoenix, they're on golf courses and rooting through trash cans, right. but that's not the way it is here. And so um, for me, it's like a personal journey to try out, you know, different kinds of hunts so that you can then have a say. Like, did that feel good to me? Did I like, you know, the way in which I harvested that animal and just learning, you know, where your boundaries are and what you think is a, a worthy pursuit, you know? Sure. No, that's great. And tell me this too. You're a bow hunter. Do you have a particular bow that you like to shoot? I saw your last Instagram, you were uh, shooting on your, uh, on your knees, you know, basically getting ready for a blind or stand hunt, um, sitting down. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. So, I mean, I don't know if I can honestly call myself like a bow hunter yet because my first bow hunt was a sheep this year and I went out and I tagged out on my first shot. So I know a big part of bow hunting is having missed shots and right. missed opportunities. And so I think I'm like on my way to maybe someday becoming sure. a bow hunter, but I haven't experienced that like bow hunter heartbreak that really makes you, uh, you know, what yes. you are. Um, <laughs> yes, but indeed. I love it. Um, I can tell you I'm going to keep doing it for sure. I hope to kill a turkey. Um, our, sp our, our spring season opens April 15th, and so oh, I'm trying to kill a turkey with my bow. Yeah, but I shoot a PSE Stinger Stiletto. Great. Um, it's been a great little bow for me, and I think a good point there is it was, you know, 380 bucks off Craigslist, sure. and I got a couple little upgrades and a drop-away rest and a better sight. And I mean, it's been fantastic. I'm only shooting 42 pounds right now and it flew right through that sheep. And wow. so, um, I think it's cool that you can, you don't have to have a thousand dollar bow. You right. know, my bow is probably 450. Um, right. you know, so I wanted to bring that up. Just because making that's, that point. Yeah, that's that's really a good consideration because my bow, when I bought it, I guess it's been almost ten years ago now, was two hundred dollars out the door. I bought it used off Craigslist, just like you did, and um, I'm getting ready to get into uh, some uh, some new bows here pretty soon. But I um, I just love the sport. I'm and I've certainly had the heartbreaks and everything else. I've done it a while, but you know, it's just a different pursuit of hunting that I want to encourage our listeners to get into. Um, because it, there are a lot of heartbreaks, but there's also a lot, you're getting up close and making those really close shots and some of those far away shots, but are still close. But it's, it's just, it's a, it's, would you agree it's an adrenaline rush like nothing else? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Honestly, like when I sent my arrow flying and my friend said, Hey, that was a perfect shot. And then I saw the sheep crashing. Uh -huh. It was unreal because you're at 30 yards, you know, you're 30 yards away right. and picking your spot and oh my goodness. Yes. It was an adrenaline rush. Although for me, I kind of had some target panic when I first started hunting. Sure. And for some reason, um, when I took that bow shot, I was just totally clear, you know, my head was in the game and I was just really focused. Right. And so I didn't get that target panic, but that's an interesting piece, um, you know, of information for new hunters that the more you get out and like actually look at the animals and watch them before your hunt, I think that can be really helpful in target panic. So you're not seeing a sheep or a deer or elk for the first time when you're trying to take your shot because it's overwhelming. You know, yes. you're like, 
a lot of emotions. You have to pick your spot. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I've had knock knees before, for sure. Like oh, sure. One cow elk hunt. Oh, my goodness. Like, I seriously, my brother-in-law made me belly crawl and then get up and get on the sticks, and <laughs> I could barely stand up. So. I can't stand up. I can just imagine. Yeah, that's got, I've been in situations like that before where you can't just, you just, you just target panic. You just can't make the shot. And, uh, but you're right, getting around those animals and, and learning about them, watching them, those kind of things, getting used to their habitat is a way to get past that really easily. I, I, I tell new hunters that a lot as well. Yeah. And bow hunting is just different. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I hope that I can bow hunt for many years to come, but just sending an arrow flying is a really different feel than pulling a trigger. Mm-hmm. And I like both. Um, but I think, you know, the kind of prowess it takes to get within bow range is, a whole nother challenge and one I'm still working to learn, you know, playing the wind and the sunlight and getting in within bow range is just, it's a lot tougher than setting up on sticks or, yes. you know, putting your rifle on, on a tree and taking a, a longer distance shot. So. Absolutely. It is. And I mean, but that's, that's what draws me to it is the challenge because I've killed a ton of animals with, uh, with a rifle. I, in fact, recently I've, all of my kills have been rifle kills just cause I've been at ranches that don't allow bow hunting. But the thing that's crazy about it though, is, is when you really get up front and personal and close counters, you know, your heart thumps, your, uh, your adrenaline goes wild. And I just, I, I just think it's great. I mean, I, uh, I, I'm definitely going to get out there and do some more of it. I hunt a lot with a crossbow versus a compound bow, but, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to get out there with both here and do some more archery hunting. Cause I just forget sometimes how awesome it is, but you're reminding me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, I would never want to deter anybody from rifle hunting because, just get out there and hunt. And I know it's also a time consideration. So for me, you know, when I first started hunting, I just didn't have a lot of time to go. And so, you know, I'd go to the shooting range and make sure I got out there a few times before I went. And sometimes you, a a rifle hunt is a lot more doable time-wise than a bow hunt. Sure. Sure. No, that's great. Uh, so Katie, I don't want to take any of any more of your time. I know you're a busy gal. Um, please tell folks how they can find you. Yeah. So New Mexico Huntress, um, that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, yeah, right now I'm just really trying to be a resource for anybody that is interested in getting into hunting. You know, if they have questions, um, they can always chat with me, um, via Facebook or Instagram and, you know, I have guys that are my age. I went to high school with, and they're saying, "Katie, how can I get into hunting, or what gear <laughs> do I need to go musky fishing?" I love um, it. And you know, I I don't know everything, but I'm always willing to help people. And obviously, I have great resources where if I don't know something, I can ask. And so, you know, my social it's not about me being in the spotlight. It's about making connections and helping yes. people. And I can tell you that I've met so many amazing females in Albuquerque through Instagram that I probably wouldn't have met um, any other way. And so for me, it's about that community and just really connecting with people and helping each other out. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm very much of like that too. If anybody wants to ever call me with a question, if I don't know the answer, I've got a whole magazine staff that knows in the outdoors. Um, (laughs) But you know, I, I just, I think you and I both have a heart for helping other people. And that's one reason why I honor you. And also you're the second female guest that I've interviewed on my podcast. So, you know, I know. Um, I can't believe it. That's so cool. That makes me feel so good. I, I plan to have many more female guests on, but I mean, I just, I just think what you're doing is just incredibly wonderful, and you're, you're showing the hunting, and fishing, and outdoor sports in the, in the right light, and in the right uh, fashion and form. And you're a great example for other hunters and huntresses. Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, it's humbling to hear that from other people, and I mean, you know, I'm just doing what I love and living you know, the lifestyle that really was put in front of me. And now thank God I came back to it because it really just changes your outlook on everything else you do. You know, like it puts life in perspective and definitely for, you know, everybody, but I think especially girls and even young girls, it's really great to try and do something like this because it just helps your self-confidence and helps you really be firm in who you are and understand what you're capable of. And I think that's super cool, you know, with all the nonsense we have in our world, what a great thing to be focusing on. So if I can help anybody out, you know, that's, that's why I'm trying to put myself out there. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Katie.
Thank you, Dustin. It was great talking to you, and hopefully I can make it to Texas someday to <laughs> hunt um, axes, deer, or hogs or something. Yeah, cool. absolutely. We'll have, we'll have something set up for you over here for sure, so thank you so much. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Katie DeLorenzo. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram with her spelling of her name, or New Mexico Huntress is her handle on both of those social platforms. And she is just awesome to follow. I love checking out her content because she has just got some awesome, awesome things to share in the outdoors uh, about uh, hunting and fishing in New Mexico and um, and just the joys of uh, hunting and fishing in that state and uh, just archery and shooting and all the different things just every time i see a female that's that active in the outdoors it just energizes me because that's what i try to do over this podcast is uh, over the uh, airwaves of the podcast if you will is try to energize people to go out and enjoy all that the outdoors has to offer it's a god-given thing um we've been blessed with all these these kind of things and to conserve them and to put our best foot forward um in view of anti-hunters and people that don't appreciate the sport i think is quite important and we definitely covered that a lot of the podcast today so i wanted to thank you for that if you have not already subscribed to texas fishing game magazine you live in the state of texas please go forth and do that um the magazine is relatively inexpensive per year you can sign up for multiple years and even get a get a bonus item uh, or two out of the promotions that we're running right now and then we also um have the podcast that you can download and subscribe to the podcast is free it does not cost anything per month to listen to it and uh, we're going to keep it that way with some sponsors that we have uh, coming on board here pretty soon and um all you have to do is find us on itunes you can find us as well on um on uh, Stitcher Radio and any other platforms that you can find an RSS feed for podcasting is where you'll find us. We are at the best of the outdoors.podbean.com that has all of our episodes we've ever aired and released live to uh, to the public and that uh, goes back about 30 some odd episodes so there's plenty of content to listen to uh, in the past if you'd like to learn about a specific subject and we cover a lot of awesome things on the show and we'll continue to do that um, hunting and fishing is our is our mainstay but we talk about guns and rifles and shotguns and air guns and archery and those kind of things as well and I look forward to talking about bow fishing and those kind of subjects more in the future as well so if you've not subscribed to the show please do so you'll get the new episodes as they come out every two weeks and uh, really look forward to having you on that a uh, couple of housekeeping notes i'm going to be gone this coming weekend to crosswater outfitters which is my christian fishing ministry i talk about on the show quite a bit we're a small group of christian men that get together and do uh soldier events for wounded soldiers that are getting out of the military as well as their families we also do friends and neighbors events where we basically you know people that are civilians or non-military uh have events to kind of encourage them in the faith and um we also do a thing with the bridges ministry where we go and minister to kids that are in college that are all of all kinds of different faiths and and anyway those are um those are great things that are happening there and uh, i'm going to a weekend with that a retreat to uh to help uh, serve the soldiers and uh our catfish jug fishing ministry and I uh, also am going to speak at a Legacy Outfitters meeting uh, next Tuesday, and I'm excited about that. And uh, I've got uh, Jester Moore's radio show is uh, called More Outdoors, and that's going to be on KLVI, which you can download on iHeartRadio this Friday coming up on um let's see that's going to be the seventh most likely i should be on his show if it's not preempted by a baseball game as it was last week and i uh, should be on his show talking about bow fishing at uh, a little bit after six o'clock on the uh on the this coming friday uh the 7th of april so anyway really excited about that hope you continue to listen thank you so much for doing so and thank you so much for watching reading and listening and have an awesome day in the outdoors <laughs>